Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast on rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. When it comes to building a stronger voice for rural Canada, the leadership of rural municipalities is, of course, vital. This week, we invited Ray Orb, chair of the Rural Forum with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and president of the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities to join us on Rural Spark to talk about building that stronger voice. We asked Ray to share his views on some of the more pressing challenges that municipal leaders are working to address, both in the prairies and nationally, as well as some helpful innovations that we see emerging in rural Saskatchewan. Hello, Ray, and welcome to Rural Spark. Well, thanks very much, Helen, for inviting me um, onto this podcast. I really appreciate that. Ray, you're our first guest, actually, whose career has been in agriculture. So, of course, that's such a big part of Canada's rural economy. Can you give us a little overview of your farming background in Saskatchewan and how that led you, I I suppose, to um, be involved with the municipal leadership? I started, you know, full-time farming, uh, I believe, in the spring of 1978. Of course, I grew up on a farm and I've been fortunate. You know, I lived in the city. I actually lived in the city of Regina for about eight years. Uh, I grew up on a farm previously to that, but now I'm living in a small town. So I've lived in, um, you know, different sizes uh, of uh, different types of municipalities. I've been fortunate. And so my background in agriculture, my wife and I farmed together uh, up until um, 2015. We still own our land, but we've rented it out. But we did have livestock. We had beef cattle, and uh, we also grew pretty much every kind of crop uh, that the farmers grew out of, you know, in Saskatchewan, canola, pulse crops, uh, and cereal crops, and as well as spice crops. And so we were pretty diversified. And so I think probably about the mid-80s, I became interested. I was approached by some local farmers to get on arm council. So in 1985, I did just that. I was elected onto our local Roman Spaldi Council. And then about 10 years later, I became the Reeve, and I'm still the Reeve. But in 2004, I became more interested in SARM and the Provincial Association of Rural Municipalities. And I served as a director, then vice president, and now I'm the president of that organization. Oh, terrific. And I think that probably, you probably find that helpful to you, Ray, that you've, you know, you've lived in an urban community, you've been small town, and you've been in the, uh, in the country uh, doing farming. So at least when you're coming to the table, when we talk about policy development, etc., you understand those different perspectives. Yeah, I think it is helpful, Helen, because, you know, especially the cities, you know, the dynamics is quite a bit different than the, than the smaller rural communities. And uh, although I live in a town, uh, Sarm does not represent this, the urban municipalities in any, any way, shape or form. But we have a lot to do, a lot, a lot in common as well, because a lot of our farmers and ranchers live in small urban communities because that's the kind of issue that we're facing uh, not only in not only in Saskatchewan but across the country is the uh, out migration from, from rural municipalities into urban centers be it uh, small urban centers like the one I live in or larger cities for sure and you know it seems Ray that lately perhaps we've been seeing signs of increased attention being paid to rural issues in Canada hopefully that's the case and of course it's most welcome 
including the announcement earlier this year, and we had discussed that a little bit, uh, of a new federal cabinet portfolio for rural economic development. So you deal with a lot with uh, rural municipal leaders across Canada. From the perspective of that group, do you see a growing interest in building a strong, unified voice for rural Canada? Absolutely. And, um, you know, through my uh, experience with uh, the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and uh, in particular uh, being chair of the rural forum, you know, we have a different perspective of what the rural people think need to be done in, in rural Canada. And of course, that means, you know, attracting and retaining professionals to make sure that our, you know, our schools, our local hospitals, uh, churches, you know, are, are well used and, uh, and remain as an establishment in those areas. And some of the other challenges we're having, this is not only in, uh, in rural Saskatchewan, but across the country, we have a lack of good rural broadband uh, coverage and cell phone coverage. And we're glad that the federal government appointed Minister uh, Bernadette Jordan to that new position. So um, I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm wondering, were you surprised? I mean, we're not used to having a seat at the cabinet table on rural issues in Canada. Were you surprised to see that announcement mid-January? And do you think there's something specific about the timing of the Prime Minister creating uh, that position to help grow rural Canada? Well, you know, a couple of things on that. There at one time was a rural secretariat. So that was, you know, uh, under the um, uh, osmos of the federal government at one time. So there was a secretariat there that we could actually go to deal with and meet with. And people from that secretariat actually came to visit us in Saskatchewan from time to time, as I did. I, I'm sure they did all across the country. So for years uh, after, um, you know, the federal government at the time removed that rural secretariat, we lobbied for its reinstatement. And we were pleased that this year, there was an announcement from the federal government that there was a new position there. So uh, all of the timing we had hoped that would have come a few years sooner, uh, mm-hmm. we're still pleased that uh, that ministry is there. And we actually met with Minister Jordan in Saskatoon in March, uh, just prior to our SARM annual convention. We had a good visit with her, and uh, we talked about a lot of the issues uh, that we're facing uh, in this province. And it overlaps, I think, what's happening across the country. Yes, and uh, Bernadette Jordan was our guest on Rural Spark and uh, talk a little bit about this tour that she's doing of rural Canada. And I think rightly uh, she sees that she can't get the insights that she needs from being in Toronto or uh, Ottawa, Calgary, Halifax, wherever she has to go to rural communities. It's not always the easiest. She started in wintertime <laughs> to do those travels, but mm-hmm. it seems like she's getting some really valuable feedback. So we're really interested to see how that you know, comes to play for um, contributing to the development of a new rural strategy for Canada. You know, and I think to Minister Jordan's credit, uh, that is something I think that all ministers of, you know, federal cabinet ministers need to do. They need to travel across the country. Uh, You know, we've been extending invitations to some of those cabinet ministers to come to Saskatchewan, and we haven't received very many replies that they're willing to come. But we've had, you know, ministers of agriculture, of course, we had Minister Beeble towards the uh, end of March. She uh, was in Saskatoon. We had a good meeting with her. We met with Minister McCauley, who was a former Ag Minister many times in Saskatchewan, and we were always pleased. You know, and we can see federal people that come out to Saskatchewan to see what the issues are, because I think that's, you know, it can be a steep learning curve for some of those uh, ministers that Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps haven't traveled across the country as much as others. Yeah, there's really no substitute for being there in person and and talking to people directly, I'm sure. And, you know, on Rural Spark, uh, some of the issues that we've been talking about that, that come back again and again because of their importance 
you know, ranging from out migration to rural health care and, of course, uh, digital communications. Those are some of the most urgent themes that we see emerging. What are some of the most urgent challenges facing your area of rural Saskatchewan and, um, you know, issues that are perhaps top of mind for municipal leaders in the prairies? Well, of course, you know, the biggest issues for us outside of the digital challenge of rural broadband and, and good cell phone coverage is, you know, of course, is infrastructure, um, you know, federal programs. We were pleased that the federal government announced, you know, investing in Canada and had a rural component in that. And uh, we were pleased at the time that there was uh, a promise to deliver, uh, I think, I believe, two, $2 billion over the next 10 years towards the rural infrastructure. We're still having some challenges with that across the country. With, I think, some of the bilateral agreements, I believe, although they've been signed, it's still at an, uh, you know, um, an issue of cost sharing and what actually, what criteria, what uh, roads and bridges would actually fit into. So uh, in our province, in Saskatchewan, bridges are one of the biggest issues that we have. Uh, we just don't have enough funding. I believe we have about 1,500 bridges in our province, and that's a lot of bridges. And we just don't have enough funding. We're hoping that some of this new funding comes through. But just to go back to rural broadband a bit, this delivery uh, of this this kind of service is really important, especially to agriculture, because a lot of the apps and a lot of the modern machinery now needs to uh, operate the good, reliable signal. And uh, in some areas of our province, we don't have good signal. We don't have good cell phone coverage. And so in Saskatchewan, we work with SaskTel. Right. Uh, they more or less, you know, they have a, more or less have a, they have a monopoly and all of that kind of delivery but they've done a better job I, I believe over the last several years trying to deliver that so the innovation on that is really important because of the modern technology requirements of this machinery and you know some of that goes to um, efficiency in, in agriculture being able to save money more effectively less fertilizer applications and things like that just it just makes farming a profitable business to be in if you can use that kind of technology. Right, and I think that when the minister was here, she said that as she travels across rural Canada, um, the top priority again and again, uh, communities are telling her, is, is with the digital communications, with broadband, internet. So I know it's a priority for her, and we did see those encouraging announcements. So hopefully we'll see a lot of change happening in those areas. But another thing that we, you know, there's certain things in rural communities we really can't do without when it talks about um, just being a healthy community, sustainability, and then, of course, hopefully being able to grow. So in, in addition to those... Uh, those digital needs and of course rural doctors is another one we can't grow our communities and have healthy communities without rural doctors and that's a challenge but we also can't do without gasoline it's a a necessary thing in rural communities to work to buy groceries to see a dentist so with efforts that are put in place now and maybe some new efforts coming along, uh, putting a price on carbon, um, trying to to address the uh, the carbon challenges and climate change, increasing the cost of gasoline. Do you feel that maybe not enough is being done to address the increased burden that some of those efforts place on rural Canadians? Well, definitely. Uh, you know, the uh, federally imposed carbon tax on Saskatchewan is a real issue for us. And um, we know um, now we can see the... Uh, you know, it's it's in effect now, and we're actually looking tomorrow to see the results of what will come out of the, the court case, what the judgment will be, whether Saskatchewan is right or whether the federal government is right. 
And so because uh, people in rogue Saskatchewan have to travel further, we don't think that this um, carbon tax uh, scheme that's in place is, is actually very helpful at all when you think about it. Because really what it does is it penalizes people for going about their day-to-day -day business and uh, they really don't have much of a choice. They really can't. They can't really change their habits. We don't have a lot of transit. We don't have passenger trains. We don't have sky trains or go trains like they do in, in Vancouver or Toronto to move people back and forth to go to work. Agriculture depends on, on uh, petroleum, on fuel, uh, diesel fuel and uh, gasoline. And uh, so do the trucks that travel on the highway that, uh, that deliver the grain from the farms to the inland terminals and uh, so do the sort of the rail carriers um, CP and CN rail uh, carry you know the uh, majority of our grain to port and they're they're using diesel fuel as well so all this carbon tax is really coming back to haunt us and the fact that we're just paying more we're just paying another tax and we're not pleased about that and we supported the province on that and we certainly hope that the province wins a court case I think if there was a, a carbon tax scheme that did have to stay in place for some reason, I think the rebate would need to be far more the, than it is now. I'll just give you an example. My wife, wife and I uh, live about 80 kilometers from the city of Regina, and we travel a lot to Regina because uh, outside of our town that we live in, Regina is our main business center. Mm -hmm. Uh, if we need to go to a doctor, um, you know, a dentist, uh, we need we need to travel further, and uh, we spend far more than than we're getting on the rebate. It just it just doesn't seem to make sense. I think we sorry, I would rather see uh, that there'd be a plan in place to incentivize um, innovation to be able to uh, make sure that we've uh, got um, uh, you know machinery that's more energy efficient. Uh, the farmer we know farmers are already are doing zero-till farming. Uh, Saskatchewan has, you know, about 44% of all the arable land in the country. Uh, we have a lot of farmland, and we have many farmers that are practicing zero-till. They're actually sequestering carbon. And we've been part of uh, studies that have shown um, every year when farmers seed their crops, which are actually beginning to do now, uh, in Saskatchewan, we on average, we take as much carbon out of the atmosphere and, and store it in the soil as the same uh, greenhouse gas emissions of taking all the um, cars out of the city of Toronto. When you think about that, it's phenomenal. So we think that farmers should be rewarded. We think we need some kind of a, a credit, uh, carbon credit scheme where people can be, um, you know, rewarded instead of penalized. And, and so this carbon tax scheme that we have now, it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems to be working against us. And we, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, Ray, that was the first time I had heard, and I'm not involved in agriculture, but it's the first time I had heard heard about this sequestering carbon um, in agriculture. Is there generally a lack of awareness of some of the innovations, do you think, that are happening in agriculture that really do make a big contribution to addressing climate change in Canada? I think there is a lack of knowledge of that. And I was fortunate the first week of April when uh, SARM traveled to Ottawa, we were able to sit down with the federal ag minister and uh, I explained this to Minister Bribo and I don't believe that she's ever heard of that. And she said mm -hmm. to me, uh, you know, people uh, should be talking about this all across the country. And I said, we have been, we have been talking all across the country about this. We've been talking to Ottawa, but we haven't, we haven't really been listened to. That's a problem. So I think the federal government needs to sit down. Uh, you know, it, it's sad 
uh, many of our provinces now are in court battles with the federal government. We think um, that should be stopped and the federal government should be able to sit down. There needs to be some kind of compromise. Perhaps there needs to be equivalency agreements with every province to get them at least to, to, to understand what the benefits uh, of uh, the contributions are in, in each province, albeit some other industries are contributing as well to greenhouse gas emissions, but they need to be recognized for that. Right, and when you use that illustration of this practice being equivalent to taking all the cars off the streets of Toronto, I mean, that's huge. So I think there is a lot of growth opportunity for that message to uh, maybe be... Uh, you know, be received more broadly and, and maybe some incentives put in place, as you mentioned. Well, it is, you know, and, and I also think, you know, farmers are concerned about the environment. And I think that anyone says uh, that they're not, would be not telling the truth, because I know that farmers have this in mind. They're trying to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We also have many of our ranchers that are practicing good stewardship, for example, with species at risk, some uh, of our producers in the southwest part of the province are working with the birds and animals that are kind of natural habitants of that area. And they're being able to preserve and conserve in some places the numbers of those species. And they're not being recognized for that either. And in other areas of rural life as well, Ray, we're interested here at Rural Spark in learning how different technologies are used to address rural needs. Um, when we did speak a few weeks ago, you mentioned something interesting I wanted to get you just to t- talk a little bit about, and, and that's a, a fairly new partnership, I think, with the RCMP in Regina that involves using technology to help address rural crime prevention. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we know that across Canada, rural crime is a real issue. And so we've been focusing on that. We've been actually working with FCM on that, too. They actually have a standing committee at FCM that looks at at crime and crime prevention. But in Saskatchewan, uh, we have been fortunate to have been working with the RCMP. You know, we've uh, stepped up our efforts to reinvigorate the Rural Crime Watch program that was in effect a number of years ago. So we have, I believe now we have over 100 rural municipalities that have have their own Rural Crime Watch program. We're actually working with the RCMP and the Ministry of Justice to create a provincial-wide Rural Crime Watch association. But uh, the provinces also see fit to... um, to develop a crime watch advisory network, and this is really interesting because this actually uh, involves everyone in this province. It involves urban, rural municipalities, the residents, um, you know, with yeah, within those communities, and and First Nations people as well, and the RCMP. And so um, they've come forward with an app. It's called the Everbridge app, right. and I actually use it. Um, you can download it on your cell phone or you can use it on your iPad. You can even get notifications on your landline. If you, if you just have a, a telephone at home, you can actually get calls. But what it does, it allows people to see uh, what's being sent out through the local RCMP detachments around the province, northern and southern uh, Saskatchewan. And uh, people will get notified, you know, if there's a break-in or if there's, you know, pro- some kind of problems out in the rural area where people need to keep an eye out. So people are actually helping thereby reporting what they're seeing back to the RCMP. And that, again, you know, that demands that you have good cell phone coverage. And, and like, you know, in the, in the um, centers where they have, uh, you know, high-speed internet, it's good. But where you don't, there's a bit of a challenge there. So I think most people are trying to use their cell phones for that. But it's working. It's very effective. 
And we're very grateful that we have that system in place because we think it's already making a difference in reducing rural crime. Wonderful. And I, I, I think I did also hear about um, an app that might be in development to go hand in hand with a new trespassing law that's coming into effect that's of interest to rural uh, landowners in Saskatchewan. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so of course, um, this is something um, that uh, will affect uh, all people that live in rural areas in Saskatchewan. Um, we've lobbied the province for this for several years, is to um, to only allow access on private property where people want it. In particular, hunting, uh, the law was that you didn't have to, uh, or the law was that you did have to post your land, no hunting, if you didn't want people to come on. From uh, the uh, onset of this legislation, uh, rural people won't have to do that. So uh, we were concerned about this because of the fact that we have some uh, landowners that uh, don't live in the province or may live in other in other uh, you know communities that wouldn't be able to be contacted. So we thought there needs to be something done, and the province agreed with us, and they actually issued an innovation challenge. So they're actually looking or some uh, one that come forward with some kind of innovation technological solution to be able to um, people to be able to go somewhere to find information uh, whether or not they could get actual permission to go on land because we want to promote hunting mm-hmm. we don't want to get hit of it of course so uh, we think this is a great thing and we're hoping uh, I think uh, by the end of summer that there may be some announcement coming forward on uh, who actually would uh, be able to do this. And SARM has been working with some groups of people, um, including the province on this. So we're really excited about this. So it's not just hunting. I assume if you want to go snowmobiling or fishing or anything like that on um, someone's private rural property, ideally you'd just be able to go online to an app and ask if you can have permission and it's done pretty simply. I think that's I think that's the gist of it, but right. that is exactly right. Uh, snowmobiling, uh, people that uh, want to use ATVs is another thing that, right. you know, a lot of people have ATVs that want to go out into the rural areas. So um, rural landowners just don't want people to go on their private property without permission. Right, and this will simplify the process. So again, great, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be a great innovation. And, and nice that the province actually yeah. launched an innovation contest to, to have people come up with solutions for that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's actually a great idea. They uh, through Innovation Saskatchewan, based out of Saskatoon, uh, they've actually come up with some great innovation solutions. They have systems now that farmers and ranchers could put on their uh, farm machinery. So it's a device. It's like a tracking device. Mm-hmm. So if that piece of machinery leaves their yard, they would be able to see it. And in case of a theft, uh, they'd be able to find that um, that machinery a lot easier. Right. Well, it's been terrific to have you as our guest today, uh, Ray, and and we do look forward to continuing to follow the work of FCM's Rural Forum, which uh, you're chairing, and the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities. And I'm I'm interested to look into some of those. uh, It's Innovation Saskatchewan and some of those other tools that they're developing. So we might be able to um, get some ideas for some future podcast episodes. Oh, it's absolutely right. You know, there's so much going on. Sometimes it's almost hard to keep track of, but I think this is all helping you know, attract people to rural, uh, to rural Saskatchewan and rural Canada because there are a lot of people that want to live in, in rural areas. But, but, you know, the first question that many people will ask is, uh, well, do I, do I have a doctor? Is there a doctor? Mm-hmm. Or is there a school? Do you have high-speed internet? It's surprising how many people, you know, need high-speed internet now to, to run their, their businesses if they have a business, but also for their families to be able to access, you know. Yeah, it's a quality of life issue too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's terrific. Thanks again, Ray, uh, for being with us on Rural Spark, and uh, we look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.